0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio
1: app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
2: This is MPB Think Radio, and you're listening to Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. So it's an all-pet day on Creature Comforts. The doors to our pet hospital are wide open. We welcome all pet questions from the big to the small. Do you have a cat or dog at home? Maybe both. Also, Dr. Major ready to answer questions about exotic pets like rabbits, snakes, and ferrets. We also uh, like to hear your general wildlife experiences, your brushes with nature, so uh, don't hesitate to grab the phone and join our conversation. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email animals at org. Creature Comforts, if you miss a Thursday broadcast, repeats every Saturday morning at 6. Good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning.
0: Good morning. All is well. Beautiful day.
2: So I uh, hope you fared uh, well here with the, uh, the hurricane. Uh, we, I think, uh, In large portions of Mississippi, we're spared uh, the worst of that, so we appreciate that. And we are thinking about our neighbors in uh, South Mississippi and Louisiana that uh, did uh, suffer from the storm, hoping for a speedy recovery for all involved. Just curious, uh, you know, I'm sure pets and and animals react differently uh, to severe weather. What about your your parrots? How do they tend to take uh, severe weather situations?
0: You know, they're pretty cool uh, by that uh, I don't think it really bothers them that much, obviously they're not outside. You're talking about my personal parents right but yeah they 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 really don't show any uh I've not seen any reaction to thunder and lightning, for example uh but uh they know they're secure and safe i think and uh they they do react to change, but uh I've not seen any of the uh fright or anything like that with uh storms for example.
2: Um, I was asleep, but I think my cat probably slept through most of that as well, too. Though, so, uh, <laughs> but that's really not surprising to hear that a cat slept through something, because that uh, seems to be the their main mode of uh, of being there. So, uh,
3: well,
0: I'm sure I'm sure your cat was planning some mischief at some point and probably was <laughs> sleeping on it. <laughs> right.
2: Yes, yeah, so he he was planning his assault for the next morning because uh, he's gotten into this bad habit of attacking my feet when I'm, you know, in the bed. And it's, I, at first I thought, well, I'm stretching my feet or whatever, but I, th- I swear the other night my feet were completely not moving at all, and then all of a sudden he he pounces on them. So uh, I think he enjoys it as a fun game. It's it's not so fun for me when his little claws go into my toe- toes, but we're, we're working out
0: something on that. <laughs> I understand.
2: Uh, we've got a lot of early calls on the line, so why don't we go ahead and jump right on the phone lines. Let's start in Beaumont. Our friend Sue is on the line. Good morning, Sue. Go ahead, please.
4: Yes, I want to tell y'all, thank you for taking my call. I want to tell y'all about this odd bird that I saw. I'm sitting in my in my office, looking out my office window, and there's an azalea bush that's been cut down even with a windowsill, and all of a sudden, this bird landed there. I don't know if it was a hawk or uh, an eagle or what. This bird had dark, very dark brown feathers with little black speckles on it. I've never seen a bird like that before, and uh, I know it was pursuing these that climb up down a tree in the front yard because the squirrels all disappeared. And uh, But do you have any idea what kind of bird that could be? Is a large bird? Like <laughs> you know, How can you tell a hawk from an eagle, but it looked like an eagle sort of bird to me?
0: Well, in general, the uh, the hawk is going to be much smaller than an eagle. Uh, mm-hmm. If it's hunting squirrels, I know the shark's in the hawk is very... Uh, what shall I say, adept at uh, catching squirrels, uh, even in a tree. Uh, some of these hawks can navigate branches and everything pretty amazingly. I've seen a few times where they've been after a squirrel. So I would say that probably something like a hawk uh, would be what, what I would suggest. Uh, somebody, another listener might have you know have another idea, but I suspect it was a hawk, based on what you're telling me
4: brown feathers. very, very dark with little black speckles all over. And the same color when it took off underneath its wings. I didn't see any white or anything, you know. I've never seen a bird like that before. And um, I, I just thought I it looked more like an eagle or something. It's a pretty good-sized bird, but never seen it before. And uh, probably never see one since. He was only, uh, only the uh, screen and the window pane separated me from this bird. That's how hmm. close he was. But he didn't see me, you know. But anyway, it was an exciting thing
2: to see. Thanks for the call, Sue. And you might want to check online to some of those bird references and see if you can um, maybe narrow down uh, what you're seeing. But uh, maybe maybe it was a hawk, so that's an interesting sight. And uh, I'm a bit of, I imagine a bit of a surprise when you look out your window and see a bird like that, uh, but taking care of the squirrels. So I think uh, we all can agree maybe that's a good thing to do. All right, Sue, thanks for calling in. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Next up is John, who's called in from Cleveland. Good morning, John. You're on the air with us.
3: Hi, thank you for taking my call. Uh, The reason I'm calling this morning is that uh, I recently found a stray kitten uh, about seven or eight months old. And um, we have cats in the house. And I became quite smitten with it. And I brought it to the vet yesterday uh, with the thought that we might adopt this little guy. And uh, I was very saddened to learn um, from the vet that um, he has... FIV, and I'm not particularly familiar overly with that ailment, but I did a little bit of looking, and we are unable to adopt the cat because we have two cats in the household already. I am trying to find out whether there is some kind of network of people that um, are willing to adopt a cat with this affliction, um, maybe people that already have infected cats or people that don't have cats in the house but are willing to adopt, and he's just a a great little kitty.
0: Okay. Uh, Excellent question, and we do see this. You said the kitten's about uh, seven, eight months old. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. FIV, or I hesitate saying it in a way, but feline AIDS, uh, is... Fairly common in cats, especially in outside cats, That and is this a male or female? He's a male. And it seems to be much more common in males, uh, usually from fighting. It can be spread like that through the saliva. And certainly I would say your cats could be at risk if you took this cat in. So I would suggest uh, maybe calling rescue uh, Different rescues. I know in Madison there's one Webster animal shelter uh, that may take in uh, cats. The thing is, you don't want to spread it to the other cats, and usually this spreads through a fight or biting. Uh, a lot of times, a cat with FIV will do quite well until they get a concurrent disease, some other disease, maybe a fight, abscess, or something, and then it can be. Their immune system is compromised is what I'm trying to say there. So I would say uh, search online, see if you can find anybody. Somebody that doesn't have a cat that might want one certainly would be a good place to place this
3: kitten. Uh, I was just wondering if there was any clearinghouse with this particular ailment in mind. Um, I'm concerned about bringing it to our local shelter here because I'm certain that there will be sort of on the front end of this a difficult time finding someone willing right. to adopt a cat with that and i don't even know if they would have facility to quarantine the cat without traumatizing it at the shelter and the lifespan of a cat in the shelter with this kind of ailment um i don't think that they would wait too terribly long before they would have to uh, euthanize the poor little guy and so I'm little I'm right. resistant to bring him to the local shelter, that's why I was hoping right. there might be you know, and the vet has been kind enough to um, house the cat for a short period of time until we can find an ideal housing situation for him, but I just was wondering if, if you knew of any state level or regional level like I said, clearing house right. of
0: some kind that would people could register or go online to For that kind of thing, understood, and I am not aware of any type of clearinghouse type situation that would be uh, available. I would uh, again, the best place possible place that you could have this kitten would be somebody that has no cats uh, that would want one and could take care of him. That would be my my suggestion, but finding that person may be hard to do. Good luck with that. Well,
3: can can I make a modest?
0: plug and, and give the name
3: of the, the the vet office and maybe if listeners hear this and want to call to that particular vet office interested in the kitty that they could maybe
0: have access that way. Absolutely. That would be great.
3: So it's Delta Animal Services located in Cleveland. The number is easy to find online. Um, and that's um, the best way to get in touch with them. I would say, in the next couple of days, if listeners hear this and are interested in maybe taking this on um
0: it would it would appease my my aching heart. <laughs> That's a great idea, and I applaud your efforts to try to find a home for this cat and uh it apparently is fairly healthy other than the fact that it is positive for the f i v is that correct? That is correct. And in
3: its visit yesterday it was neutered and given its necessary shots. So I think it's you know, ready ready to find a loving home.
0: So great. Great. We appreciate your call and again, thanks for your efforts to try to find a home for this cat.
2: Thank you, John. Good to hear from you. Uh, This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, time for break number one of the hour. When we get back, we'll be looking for your pet questions for Dr. Major. In fact, we got Brad on the line. Brad, we'll get to your call first up after this break. Also, we'll talk about the top ten questions you should ask your vet during your next visit. Call with questions and comments. Our phone number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-MPB. 7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more, so stay tuned.
5: This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks.
2: This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. If you want to join our conversation with question or comment today, the number is mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 You can email animals at org. As I promised, Brad is on the line, and he's up next. Brad, you're on the air with us. Go ahead.
1: Good morning, Dr. Major. Can you hear him?
2: Yeah, go ahead.
1: Hey, it's a, it's a kitten question. Um, my wife, Nikki, brought home a wounded kitten the night before. I, uh, and um, we're one of those lucky ones without electric or water. I'm just checking on it two or three times a day. I've had to keep it inside in fear of letting it out. To what point should I be worried um, in regards to what the temperature as far as inside of the house and trying to find other shelter for it?
0: understand uh how old is this
1: this cat that you found i i would say the kitten is probably less than maybe six weeks old at the most
0: okay and it's eating okay eating okay
1: it's a pretty nasty wound but it does seem to be healing
0: good good i'm glad you were able to take it in you know it's hard hard to say as far as temperature i uh is your house ventilated and everything you know where you' got some air coming through yes okay I guess the question I would have if as long as we're in the ninety degree range I don't think you're gonna have any problems you get into a situation where it's a hundred hundred and ten I think it could be uh, detrimental to the kitten's health um, okay. i I would hope that maybe you're get your electricity back on shortly. You never know, though. And uh, where where are y'all located, Brad?
1: Where's it located? I'm sorry? Where's your your home? In uh, Gloucester, Mississippi.
0: Okay, so it may be a while to get that uh, electricity back on, but good luck with that, and I hope everybody's safe there, uh, your family. Uh, The kitten, uh, I would say, we do fine if that wound is uh, looks like it's healing, that sort of thing. I would suggest that uh, we, uh, you know, that you continue on and uh, just take good care of it. I don't know if a vet's open in your area or not, but uh, I will uh, certainly pray that, uh, that this will all be okay and that you get your power back on soon. Well, I do appreciate it. Thank you for taking my call.
2: Thanks, Brad, for the call. Dr. Major, anything that you could do if you are in a situation uh, where you've lost your power and and you have pets to to try to keep them cool? Obviously, keeping you know a supply of water nearby, both for human and pet consumption, is important. But uh, anything else we could possibly do for pets in that type of situation? Okay. I'm sorry. Anything that we could do for pets in a situation like that, other than just making sure they have enough water to try to keep them cool in a situation where you might lose your power?
0: Yes, I I would say that, you know, if it was dangerous for you, it would be dangerous for the pet. Uh, But when I said 90 in the 90s to up to 100 even, I think it would be okay. But, you know, cats are very good at trying to, survive, but uh, the fact that the cat is inside, I think it'll be good. Uh, and it should be okay and under even those conditions.
2: All right. Uh, I've got a couple of emails to get to. And by the way, it is all pet day on Creature Comforts. If you would like to uh, ask Dr. Major a pet question, or if you'd like to share a recent brush with wildlife that you've had, give us a call at one mpb ring Our phone number is one 877 mpb Six seven two seven four six four. You can email animals at mpbonline dot org. An email here that says, "I have a seventeen year old indoor cat and recently replaced her litter box, but now she won't use it. What can I do?" Okay,
0: just the one cat? Did it say there were multiple cats?
2: No, it looks like just a one cat household.
0: And they moved her litter box or a new litter box. I didn't understand that.
2: Uh, it's replaced, so I would guess maybe got a new
0: one. Okay. Uh, make sure you've got the same litter, and it's possible you might want to uh, put an extra uh, litter box out for right now if she's going in a certain area. Okay?
2: Right. So if you've seen that the accidents are taking place, say, in, you know, the the – the laundry room or whatever, go ahead and stick a new litter box there, and they might uh, take to it in, in that new location. Exactly. Exactly. And then I've read, too, that uh, it's interesting because it doesn't necessarily say whether the box itself is replaced or the box in the litter, but I have heard that cats can be very particular about the litter, and if you change it, that might be a reason why the cat suddenly doesn't like going there anymore.
0: That happens a lot of times. Sometimes the uh, place you're getting litter will they'll run out of it, And you have to get a substitute, and quite often those are uh, uh, what denied by the cat. It says, hey, I want to go on that carpet over there or (laughs) some other place. And uh, cats are pretty fastidious and picky. So I would say that uh, the best thing you can do, be sure you've got the same litter, (coughs) and put out another litter box wherever this cat happens.
2: Okay. Uh, and also, I would say, too, if uh, if the alternate location and the cat seems to like going there, that might be just go ahead and make that the new
0: spot. Good idea, and that probably will work. How old did that, they say that cat was?
2: Uh, 17, which I think okay. might be part of the problem, too. She's very set in her ways after 17 years, that's for sure.
0: And maybe uh, because of the age and everything, get a... Uh, lower litter box, even though it might be kind of missing for a while, by that scratching litter out, uh, I would suggest that maybe one that's not high, where the cat has to jump in and out uh, with difficulty, especially if it has arthritis. So I would say that that's certainly a possibility.
2: Also, I guess what at 17, it might be a good idea just to uh, visit to the vet to make sure there's nothing physically going on when cats get to be that old?
0: Right, and it gets to be a real problem with the cats, you know, from the standpoint of uh, that age. Uh, sure, they're going to have some arthritis. Most of the cats start to lose weight at that age uh, simply because, one, they're not exercising as much, but, two, uh, they uh, they tend to, uh, uh, what should I say, uh, not be as agile as they were. Mm-hmm. Kevin, I'll put you on hold for just a minute. I'll be right back.
2: All right. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's an all pet day today. Uh, And if you have a question for Dr. Major, you can call us at 1-877-672-7464. That's 1-877-MPB-RING. You can also send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more after this. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. If you miss any of today's show, you can subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcast app, or you can download the MPB Public Media app. When you have that on your smartphone, you have access to all the local MPB Think Radio programs, and it's on your schedule. To join our conversation this morning, we've got some open phone lines. The number is one 877 MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 You can email animals at org. So Dr. Major, earlier in the show, we talked about questions that everyone should ask on a visit to their vet. Uh, I've got a list here, but I'd be curious to, as from your perspective, what are you, what are you wanting people to ask you about and tell you about and have information ready about their pets to make sure that a, a pet visit goes well?
0: You know, the first thing that I would I would say would be, you know, any complaints. Uh, and that a lot of times things get forgotten, you know, that uh, there's a situation where either the animal is uh, just not doing right. And that's usually the, the reason people bring uh, a cat or a dog in is because it's, it's laying around. ADR is always a, a shit <laughs> that ain't doing right, which is not, <laughs> Dramatically correct but you understand what i'm saying (laughs) the uh the things that we have and i always ask her have you noticed and we see a lot of uh skin cancer uh different types of cancer and i always ask an exam have you seen any lumps or bumps that uh were not there last time we visited or new ones and sometimes they'll think about it and say hey yes we've got something here on the side or whatever so that's important uh uh, have you seen, uh, smelled a strange odor like from the ears or mouth? Those are always tip-offs that something may be going on. But I'll be interested to see what your 10 points are. But those are just things that we always try to look and give a good physical exam. Even if the owner may not be aware of certain, uh, certain things, we try to be a- proactive in looking and seeing as in part of the physical exam.
2: Yes, yeah, some of the things on this list, though, you touch on a couple of them, but um, um, is that, insert odd behavior here, normal? So is something that your cat's doing or your pet's doing that does, hasn't been done before? You want to check up on that. Uh, you might want to make sure to double check to see if your, your pet is up to date on shots and vaccinations. Uh, you might want to ask about dental cleaning. We've talked about that on the program a lot. And uh, does my pet need a dental cleaning, uh, any kind of tests, blood tests? Uh, uh, recommendations for flea and tick medications. Um, and then uh, number 10 is interesting. It says, can you please explain my bill? So <laughs> you want to make sure you, you understand what you're being charged for. Would well, that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, that is always uh, something. And I, I'm always impressed that most people understand up front, but quite often on procedures that are going to be uh What shall I say, Uh, technical, expensive, Uh, certainly uh, the owner needs to have some idea, estimate of what what kind of price it's going to be on these things. Uh, You know, you mentioned, I'm just thinking of the things we see most often in this time of year, especially with high humidity and everything, we see a lot of ear problems, in other words, ear infections. Uh, dog is shaking his head, a cat is scratching at his ears. And these are things that are very common right now, along with uh, skin allergies and uh, that sort of thing. One of the key things a lot of times we hear is Fifi uh, is drinking more water and urinating more. Now, that can uh, go hand in hand, but usually it has to do with some underlying condition, uh, such as diabetes. Uh, kidney uh, issues or something else that may be involved. So it's always good when you bring your pet to the vet to mention any strange or abnormal behavior, things that are going on. Uh,
2: also, I would say that um, if, if your vet recommends a procedure for your pet, uh, <laughs> that you want to make sure you understand, you know, what is the problem and what exactly uh, is going to be the 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 procedure what you know how they're going how you're going to treat the cat I keep saying cat because I have a cat and I don't I don't want to diss the dog owners but you know understand what your pet is and I certainly Dr. Majors of Ed, you'd be more than willing to explain you know what the issue is and and how uh, going about rectifying it.
0: It's always good to ask if you have questions and you know sometimes uh, you get home and you have a question uh, certainly uh, give the clinic a call and my philosophy is if I can't come to the phone right then, I will call you uh, as soon as I have a chance. Uh, most of the time, things can be uh, handled as far as any procedure or anything by a technician or receptionist. But I would suspect that most uh, pet owners would like to be able to hear that from the doctor if possible.
2: This is Creature Comforts, and it's an all-pet day. Phone lines are open. If you have a pet question, give us a call. Dr. Major here ready to uh, take your question and give you an answer. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email animals at mpbonline.org. Here's another email that says, are acorns hazardous to dogs? We have two dogs that stay in a fenced-in area around our back porch. We have several oak trees back there, and the dogs like to eat the acorns, but I've heard that they could be harmful to dogs. What do you have to say?
0: I guess dogs have watched the squirrels eating the acorns. I don't know <laughs> yes, and a lot of times they almost become addicted to the acorns. Uh, just physically, uh, you can imagine some of these acorns have uh, pretty sharp holes on them. Uh, certainly that could cause some GI upsets. And acorns can be, I believe, fairly high in in tannins, uh, which can cause, uh, which is a kiln, which could cause some problems. So uh, it's hard. If you've got three or four big oak trees, it is so hard to rake up all those acorns, and the dogs will seek them out. So if possible, I would remove the acorns, but I do understand the mystery of problems, especially in some cases. I would prefer that they not eat the acorns in answer to that question. Uh,
2: is there any way of the sort of a substitute, if they're doing that, to maybe, I don't know, give them a treat or something else to sort of please eat this instead of that?
0: Uh, that's possible, but probably difficult in most cases, I would say.
2: Yeah, and, I, and there's no way you could possibly monitor them, you know, every time they're out there. Uh, So, but I I guess be aware of that, and then again, as we talked about when we we visit the vet, any sort of thing that seems out of line, out of the ordinary, then you would want to check with your vet and obviously let them know, hey, we've got some acorns in the back and they've been eating those. Does that have anything to do with it? Give the vet uh, the full uh, bit of information that you have so that they can do the best to diagnose what's wrong with your pet.
0: And I noticed uh, in my yard uh, yesterday, after all this rain, there are some mushrooms that are popping up and some of the mushrooms can be very toxic and some of the dogs will go out and at least chew on them uh, and can cause some fairly uh, severe symptoms if they should eat uh, mushrooms. So that's not acorns, obviously, but it's still one of the things that's in the yard. One of the other things that we do see commonly, we talked about skin, teeth, ears, but, uh, a lot of times uh, animals will have diarrhea for one reason or another. Usually it's
6: inappropriate
0: appetite or eating something that they shouldn't have. But there can be some other causes of of diarrhea as well, such as intestinal parasites. Uh, Even with all the wet weather we've had, the protozoa called giardia, which uh, is fairly common and can cause some fairly severe diarrhea so these I'm just thinking of the different things that uh, certainly pet owners going to mention diarrhea if a dog has got diarrhea or cat diarrhea.
2: This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Up next on the phone lines, we welcome Casey from Batesville. Good morning, Casey. You're on the air with us. Go ahead.
4: Good morning. I called a couple of months ago about my cat Luna that was having seizures really bad that she's had since we've got her and she's about a year and a half old. Um, I did follow up with my vet. And ended up getting her spade, and it helped the seizures a little bit. But after a couple of weeks, they've gotten worse. He said to reach out to, like, uh, institutions as far as, like, schools where they could, like, run tests on her. Do you have any advice on where I could take her?
0: You know, uh, where do you live? North Mississippi? Yep. yep or,
2: in Batesville.
0: Yeah, I remember. uh I guess remember that call that you were talking about seizures. Uh, I would suggest uh, getting a referral to Mississippi State University College of Veterinary Medicine. Um, They have an excellent school there and certainly could give you the best diagnostics possible uh, from the standpoint of why she's having these seizures.
4: Okay. Is it true that they charge for the testing and I could spend a lot of money on tests and still not know what it
0: is? That is true, yes. I mean, uh, I would say that, yes, they have to charge. Uh, but uh, that would give you the best diagnostics. And, of course, I know you. from what you say you respect your veterinarian and uh, he, the, he or she is doing the best possible job that they can. You might consider a second opinion uh, from another veterinarian, usually by word of mouth, and just see if there's a, a different idea. As to how these seizures could be controlled. Okay.
2: Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Ke- uh, and just a quick follow-up, Doctor Major. Most vets are not going to take offense at someone wanting to find a second opinion, are they?
0: No, uh, I would say that uh, that would be advisable in a lot of cases. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of times your veterinarian will recommend that you get a second opinion. If um, they have issues or trying to figure out what's wrong and can't do it, so that is a good idea. But yes, the university. Uh, uh, you'll find that most teaching hospitals, yes, uh, they use uh, cases for teaching students, but they also have to charge uh, for what they do. So uh, I would say that in answer to your question, you know, certainly if they recommended doing uh, CT scans. Uh, MRI, whatever, uh, certainly that could be quite expensive.
2: This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your pet questions this morning. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can email animals at mpbonline.org. So Hurricane Ida has passed, but uh, hurricane season runs through the end of November So let's talk for a few minutes about some things that pet owners should keep in mind uh, to have a plan for their pets should they need to evacuate or should severe weather uh, threaten their areas again. Uh, Dr. Major, good idea to know uh, hotels and motels along an evacuation route uh, that would accept a a pet in an emergency. Um, And I guess, um, I don't know, how. Just do you think maybe websites might have that, like of a chain or maybe just call uh, several stops along your evacuation route to check on that?
0: You know, there are some some of the uh, hotels uh hotels, you know, on their website would say, Hey, we accept pets and a lot of them will accept pets in uh in an emergency situation that otherwise they would not. Again, that would go back to at least have a plan if you're in a hurricane prone area to to know those hotels to know where you could evacuate to. The things that I would suggest that you need to have would be your pet's health records. It mm-hmm. uh, would be important. Uh, have some food set aside uh, for an emergency. And have a carrier for your the cats, especially, uh, and small dogs. Uh, this is important from the standpoint of you sure don't want them to, you know, get away and then and excitement or whatever and be lost. So that's something that you should Uh, be
2: concerned with yeah we talk about a lot about you know the 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 preparedness kit for humans during hurricane season but you're right i think you need to think if you have a pet about what needs the pet has and include those in your planning like you said call ahead find some uh, stops along your evacuation route uh, have some food put away with your provisions have some uh, pet food there um, and uh, that sort of thing and also um, microchipping is a good idea uh, so, Dr. Major, just remind us again: they insert a small microchip under the the pet's uh, skin. Is that correct?
0: Yes, it's it's maybe a little bit longer than well, some some grains of rice are long, but it, it's inserted through a needle uh, uh, under the skin, and uh, there's a reader. It actually has a, a code on it, and you have this reader. Uh, most vets have that, and. Hopefully, most of the shelters have that, so they can check on an animal that uh, uh, someone brings in that's been lost and reunite with the owner. And it goes without saying that that should be registered, just a chip by itself. You, they might not be able to contact you, so it has to be registered with the uh, company that makes the chip. But uh, it is important. One thing I didn't mention. Also, obviously, if a pet's got medication, you need to be sure to have the medication for your pet uh, when you make an evacuation.
2: Uh, The other suggestion here is a current photo. You know, a lot of times uh, pets look alike, and you want to make sure uh, that uh, you've got something, especially if it's you're putting up you know, lost posters or whatever, uh, make sure that it's a current photo so if someone uh, finds your pet, they'll know which which it is and, and, and how to get in touch with those sorts of things. You know, I like your idea about the carrier. I know that uh, I have a, a cat, obviously. I've talked a lot about him on the air. Uh, but uh, during um, tornado warnings, I always get a little worried because I'm down there hunkered like I'm supposed to, and I'm always afraid that, you know, he'll get spooked and, and run or whatever. So I've just gotten a, a laundry basket that I kind of put him in And I figure, well, we're we're riding out a storm. Uh, I feel a bit safer knowing that he's right there. And should something, you know, happen, I can quickly grab him up and and we can both be safe. He might not like it too much, but uh, he he puts up with it uh, for the short time that we're sort of uh, riding out the storms. Got a couple of calls to get to, so let's return to the phone lines and say good morning to Greg in South Haven. Hi, Greg. You're on the air with us.
6: Hey, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Go ahead. Uh, listen, I wanted to ask Dr. Major's thoughts on something. We have a cat, well, we have three, as a matter of fact, but one in particular has an affinity for uh, hummingbirds. We sat watching birds, and he's often sitting out there watching the hummingbird. Yes, we we found a dead hummingbird in the house that he had brought in. Just wanted, I know that's natural for cats to, to go after birds and you know, small animals and things such as that. But is there anything that he would know of that might deter this cat from going after the hummingbirds and killing
0: them? That's a difficult thing. It's pretty amazing if he can catch one, but cats are pretty adept at being hunters. Uh, possibly raise the height of the uh, hummingbird feeder a little bit, uh, spread, it, spread it out where he might be confused if you have more than one more than one feeder. And uh, certainly, you know, uh, I suspect he did get, did catch the hummingbird, but it may have had something wrong with it for him to be able to catch it. Uh, it it's uh, um, And
6: it, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Doc. I'm
0: sorry. You know, I, I would have difficulty catching the hummingbird, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Kathy, we enjoy, Kathy, we
6: enjoy watching them. Yeah. So maybe raise the height a little bit uh,
0: from the standpoint of the feeder
6: and see if that helps. Okay. I'll try that. I'll try that. All right, thank
2: you, sir. Thanks, Greg, for your, call. For your call. This is Creature Comforts. Time for one last break this hour. When we get back, we'll wrap up Pet Day with Dr. Troy Major. Uh, still time to work in a phone call if you'd like to join the conversation. It's 1877 MPB ring. It's 877 672 7464. You can email animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back to wrap up the show after this.
1: Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult. And yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.
2: This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Still time to work, well, maybe no, got a couple of phone calls to get to, so let's hold off there, and actually let's go back to the phone lines and say hello to Barbara in Waynesboro. Thanks for calling in, Barbara. You're on the air.
5: Yes, Dr. Major. um, I just learned of a, a situation yesterday with a bull mastiff puppy that is out of, some of our breeding stock, and he has begun to bite. And, of course, he's a very large dog. I did ask a lot of questions. Unfortunately, right now I can't get to him because he's in New Orleans. I am willing to take him back, but it sounds to me that he has probably had entropium in both eyes for around a year and a half. And I guess what I'm curious about is, I I know you can do the procedure to lift the eyelid and all, but what do you think the chances are of permanent eye damage? And do you think he could possibly be visually impaired That's
0: why he's biting? Great question. Uh, Certainly, he could be visually impaired. Uh, Some of the entropion is really severe. I would suggest that, number one, he needs to have a good uh, physical exam, eye exam, and be sure that there's not some permanent damage. Sometimes you can get some scarring uh, related to the entropion. Uh, Chances are fair if he's been somewhat cared for that hadn't gotten that bad. Uh, The biting thing certainly is, and what does he weigh now? How big is he?
5: 140 pounds. Right. Right. His last bite, he grabbed a lady by the thigh and actually pulled her down, which to me wasn't as alarming as it was to them, but, I mean, that's what a bull mastiff is supposed to do. You know,
0: they see your tank. Well, they're supposedly gentle giants, but if you get one that actually becomes vicious, which it can, uh, you've got a real problem because of the size and the bite strength. I uh, you know, not knowing the dog, I would have to say that you have to be careful. And maybe some remedial-type training or training that he may never have had uh, certainly can help with this biting situation. But his eyes do need to be checked out as soon as you can get him. Uh, and possibly the surgery would, would be a big help to him.
5: Well, if there is permanent eye damage, is there corrective surgery for the fat?
0: It depends on what, what damage there is, okay? Uh, it would be hard to say. Uh, they're, you know, veterinary ophthalmologists. Uh, most veterinarians can do an entropion surgery, but there may be some uh, bad ulceration or whatever on the eye. Just really don't know until you've had him examined, okay?
5: Well, the reason I suspect this is because the way they described each each situation um, it sounds like a very chaotic household. <laughs> it sort of okay. sounds like a circus in the background. And in the meantime, they've brought in three more dogs. And, you know, it's things like approaching the dog and leaning over to hug him, which I've never found that to be a good idea, but um, right. being a very negative response. Um Another situation was like someone coming through the door, one person pulling on one dog, the person coming in pushing on another dog, and then Rue just went for the person coming in the door.
0: So, Let's put it this He needs two things. Number one, he needs some attention to those eyes, but he also needs someone with a strong will to take care of him and train him properly if that can be done and you've got your work cut out for you if you get it. Just be careful, and sounds like you have handled dogs before and know, but uh, it's gonna. just don't get hurt yourself or if there are any small children. Uh, certainly it could be an issue. Good luck to you, and I hope things can work out. Okay?
2: Thanks, Barbara, for your call. Let's uh, wrap up with an email, Dr. Major, and it says we've adopted a five-month-old Blue Heeler Jack Russell mix from a rescue about a week ago. He's absolutely terrified of everything, especially going outside, which he needs to do, obviously, multiple times a day to use the bathroom. He seems to be house-trained, and we'd hate to go backward by putting him on puppy pads indoors. How can we de-stress him and make him less fearful of going outside?
0: Did they say how long they've had him now?
2: Uh, It's only a week.
0: Okay. You know, these dogs are quite active, obviously. Blue Heeler jack russell mix maybe double active i don't know you know the blue healer uh they are herding dogs and jack russell are hunters uh and uh, my impression of a jack russell has always been with all four feet off the ground at the same (laughs) time uh this dog sounds like he's been through some trauma i would suggest that they at least train this dog if he's not take him out on a leash uh reward him when he does his business and this sort of thing Uh, I think given some time, and I didn't hear how old he was, if he's a young dog, should be able to train him and get him straightened out. Older dogs may be a little bit more difficult.
2: Uh, It says five months old.
0: Okay. That's still a wonder of being able to take care and do some training, and I think probably will work out okay.
2: Uh, You know, we've talked about that, and I think that would be a good idea because uh, if – if they were able to get a trainer then it's obviously the dog becomes more disciplined but also isn't there a little bit of a bond worked up between the owner and the and the dog during the training?
0: Yes, there is and uh you know uh I don't watch Cesar or whatever his name is that much but you've got to assume that you are the leader of the pack and uh that's important but I'm not talking about brutal discipline than anything else but just learn to lead learn to sit stay and get the dog outside on a leash and uh work with him like that and i think it will uh he will come around
2: all right uh, apologies to angela mobile can't get to your phone call this morning but uh, you can try again next thursday or if you have email access you can email us at animals at mpbonline.org. And throughout the week, if you have a situation with your pet that you need some information about, go ahead and send that email, and we'll see if we can't get your response sometimes or share those emails on the air uh, on Thursday mornings. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by you. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned, because up next, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.